Welcome to episode number 12 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I'm thrilled that you're here with me today. I'm your host, Mike Mason, and on today's show, we have our very first double whammy, two for one. I talked to Dana Nachman, the director of Bat Kid Begins, and I talked to Jake Broder, who's trying to raise some funds to put together what should be a pretty, pretty cool project. All is well here at the Good Stuff Ranch. It's summer camp season, meaning that Mrs. Good Stuff is up at camp. I'm going to be running my own day camp, but that's not going to stop us from bringing you the good stuff. And as always, you can find everything Good Stuff related at the website www.goodstuffpod.com. Hope you enjoy today's episode. Josh the Lawyer has lunch. We'll, of course, have four plus one, and we will talk to you at the end of the show. Four, 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 four plus one. What's that? You wanted to know the top four songs that my kids request over and over in my Toyota Sienna, plus one that I try to get them to listen to? Well, you are in the right place. It's four plus one. Number four this week is Just For You by Casper Baby Pants. And my six and a half year old son even got in on the act this week requesting this one over and over. Here comes the sunset just for you, little baby. Here comes the sunset just for you. Prettiest thing that you've ever seen. Day to night we are in between. Coming at number three is Five Little Monkeys Swinging in a Tree by Michael and Jello. I think my kids have a thing for songs with monkeys. The first monkey said, you can't catch me and snap. Four to go. Four little monkeys swinging in a tree. Along came a crocodile as quiet as could be. Number two is The King of Calabar by Bill Harley. My kids love the interplay between the singer Bill and the kid that he's interacting with. It's known as Calabar. Calabar. There lived an ancient king called Balthazar. Balthazar. Who lived on moldy bread and stale cigars. Stale cigars? And number one, a pirate says R by the Backyardigans. I have to say, even though this is a Backyardigans song, it's not the worst. And then the plus one, the one that I try to get my kids to like and listen to. Full disclosure, I watched the Entourage movie, and at the very, very end, over the credits, I heard a song. I was like, that sounds exactly like Tom Petty. Whoever's doing that is doing a great impression. Lo and behold, it was Tom Petty, a song called Somewhere Under Heaven. It's pretty vintage Tom Petty, and in his words, he does not bore us, but he gets straight to the chorus. Thanks for listening to 4 Plus 1. If you like what you heard, support these artists. Find them on Apple Music, Spotify, or Amazon. 4 Plus 1. I'd like to welcome Dana Nachman to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. How are you, Dana? I'm really good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, you are a film director. Is this true? This is true. This is true. Um, so at what point in your life did you know you wanted to be a filmmaker? Um, hmm, well, 
Let's see. I guess it was probably around 2010. <laughs> oh, wow, recent. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I when I was in college, I went to see the CBS Evening News. Um, my dad had a friend that worked there, and we went to go watch it. And he and I, um, I, I saw what the producer did, which is, you know, as a live newscast goes on, they're kind of calling all the shots and and talking in the talent's ear and shouting things and all this. And I was like, oh, I want to be what that guy does. I didn't even know what it was. So I really wanted to be a television news producer. Uh-huh. And that was um, when I was a sophomore in college. Um, and I fell in love with that and I, I just was very driven to become that, even though it was very, very difficult to do to, you know, it was very competitive. Um, but then once I did that for a while, I realized that I didn't actually like it that much. It, it was very <laughs> stressful. Um, it really was very adrenaline based, um, action and things went wrong all the time and it was a lot of troubleshooting. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I did like about the job was the writing, um, and the visual medium and all that. So, I did that job for, for many years. And, um, but meanwhile, always kind of tried to do more on the writing side and the storytelling side. Um, and then about 2002, I got my first assignment when I worked at NBC to make a documentary and that was just the best thing ever. And, um, and it wasn't that I really wanted to become a film director at that point, but I knew that that you know, doing things, especially in the longer form, because I had been writing stories that were about three minutes long, you know, two to three minutes long that I realized if you could write something that's six minutes long or 90 minutes long it's it's better mm-hmm. um and then so then I, I did it several other documentaries for television I did several other uh, I did an independent feature documentary uh, in 2008 and another one in 2010 and I think in 2010 after I had done several I was like oh this is the best job ever and I realized you know I knew I wanted to do um be a director you know not necessarily only a writer or a producer but really be a director I think in 2010 mm-hmm. so, so that was a very long winded answer wasn't that was a very very good answer so i I have a question about um you uh you're a documentary filmmaker but you talk about writing what's so like what's the writing part of it that's a good question um so it depends uh you know documentaries take a lot of different forms um i'm right now working on my fifth documentary (laughs) two out of the five have narration in it Mm -hmm. so the writer will write the narration Uh if there is if there is narration um other than that, it's really taking the words of others um, and molding it together. It's almost like a puzzle piece. So it isn't, and we call it a writer, um, but sometimes there's not a lot of writing in it. It's more molding. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes people, you know, like so a lot of films, documentaries don't even have a writer attached to it. So it's really storytelling um, in general. Uh, so it's, it's more of that. And, and that often comes to if there's no narration in the interviewing when you interview somebody um asking the right questions and molding the the story in that way cool um thank you that that explains a lot so you your movie the the one that i've seen uh, most recently bat kid begins documents the events leading up to and the day of when san francisco was transformed as part of a a make a wish uh for miles a five-year-old who fought leukemia and so my question for you to start with as we talk about the movie is at what point were you brought in to, to sort of document the, the goings on? 
Well, that's um, my most embarrassing question that people people often ask. Oh, no. So, Sorry. So I take I, it all back. That's okay. Uh, everybody asks. So um, I missed the entire thing. Most, uh, I think it was a billion people around the world followed it that day, and I was uh-huh. not one of the billion people. I missed the whole thing. And it wasn't until a couple days later that a bunch of my colleagues, we were on a call, and, and they were talking about it. And I thought it was very interesting because it was a bunch of middle-aged men talking about it, and I thought it was an odd thing for them to talk about. So I went and did some research, and I thought, oh, what a cool thing. And I had been looking for a new story, a new a new documentary idea because we were finishing up something, and um, all my work to date had been very dark. Um, and I was really my kids had asked me to to please do something that they would like. Oh, cool. uh, and so I was looking for something that they would like, and. Then I got. I thought to myself, "Oh, what a great documentary!" Then the the person who's doing it is so lucky. Then I kind of forgot about it. And then a couple weeks later, my friend who I used to job share with, she um, called and I said, "Oh, what are you working on?" She said, "Oh, I'm trying to get an interview with the Bat Kid." And I said, "Oh, that would be such a good documentary." Um, and she goes, "Well, I can ask them if they'll meet with us about it." So five minutes later, she calls back and she says, "I can't get an interview with him, but they'll talk to us tomorrow." So we go in and we pitch our idea, um, and they said that several other people had reached out to them during the during the time. People who were less clueless than I was, and um, but they were too inundated with the wish to actually deal with the documentary. So it was really good timing. Um, and my idea going into it because I had missed it was to crowdsource the documentary, just like the day was really crowdsourced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that everybody was there. The reason it went viral was because of the thousands of people who were on the ground there. Um, and I said at the end of the meeting, you know, you didn't by chance have anybody shooting it that day. Did you? And they're like, Oh yeah, we had a guy there with five cameras so that we could do a fundraiser for our, for our gala, you know, yeah. video. Yeah. So I was able to license the video from him and then get a whole bunch of other sources together and kind of make up for the fact that I wasn't there. Ah, interesting. Um, that's uh, so you, you actually, you were, you edited all of this, this footage that, well, that's incredible. That, uh, right. That I went back and I interviewed everybody who was, you know, from the guy who played Batman to the guy who played the, the, the um, penguin to the family to miles and all these people mm-hmm. um, and did a little trickery and, and, and kind of slight reenactments um, and put it all together. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So you, you said that your kids wanted you to do something that they would like. So what yeah. was, what was your, um, like, did it change your philosophy in terms of making the movie as far as like making something that, uh, cause it's a, it's a, that is a 100% happy time story. So, yes. um, did you, did you have to like change any of your philosophy or strategy or anything like that? You're not a dark person. I know you. So, um, it, it probably felt pretty natural. Yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of interesting because, um, a famous, a couple famous quotes, like one from my husband, Peter was, he's like, you're such a happy person. Why do you make such dark stuff? And it was true. <laughs> I made very dark things. I mean, one of my films was that about, um, wrongful conviction. One was about terrorism. One was about chemicals and all of our products that are killing us. And, <laughs> and then, um, and then there was this, but you know, so I think it didn't change how I made the movie, but it, it maybe has changed a little bit about what I'm doing. And now I'm working on another very positive story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really do like to illuminate things that are, are less happy to deal with, but it sure was nice to work on it for a while. Um, especially cause the one, the saddest part of the story is obviously the trauma the family had to go through when miles had leukemia. Um, but since that was all in the past, we were able to tell that part of the story through animation, through comic book animation. Right. And that was really fun. So I think that like as a filmmaker, you're always looking at the um, opportunities you have to, 
tell stories in the best possible way and the most um, accessible part of the way. And I, I really thought that telling the cancer part of it in animation would be a way that kids could could kind of take it um and family you know it's hard you don't want to go to a movie to watch a kid with cancer like it's too sad he wants to do that and so if you could kind of temper that blow in animation and comic book style animation so that was you know the first time i'd done that and that was really cool and we do use animation often but i never used kind of comic book style um so I, i liked that a lot yeah um so you um like tell me like the 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 start to finish date, like how long does that take? So for a movie, like let's, I guess use Bat Kid Begins as the example. You start, you know, you make the pitch and then mm-hmm. from pitch to like, okay, we're at the premiere of the movie. Right. Like how that's, that's a long time, right? Like how long uh, is that? Yeah. Well, it can vary widely. Um, so for Bat Kid, the funny part of it was in my pitch to make a wish, which was, um, in December, like, let's call it December 15th. It was like close to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Cause I remember there was Christmas decorations all over in their, in their office. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that was December 15th. And they said, um, we'd really like it done by November 15th. And, and I was like, Oh yeah, sure. No problem. But the reality was I had never done a film in less than three years. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it said no problem so that I could get the job really. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, okay. I mean, I wasn't, I was going to do it. You right, know what I said? Right, of course. And so on November 15th, uh, which was, you know, 11 months later, um, well, actually it wasn't even because they approved it probably Jan or close to January 15th. So 11, uh, you know, 10 months later, I did have a cut for them. Um, wow. it wasn't really a cut that, that you could show anybody, but I showed it to them. Um, and then we applied to a film festival and got in for, and it premiered on like, like literally one year to the day it got approved like wow. January 23rd or something. Wow. Um, so that was one year. And then it got bought by Warner brothers. Um, you know, that kind of negotiation went on for a while, but it aired in theaters, um, in July. So, or June, or late June, maybe. Um, so that was 18 months, like beginning to end, which is pretty unheard of right now. I'm working on a film that um, we're following. It's called Pick of the Litter, and we're following a litter of puppies from, like, their lineage, like, pre-birth from the day they're born through the two years of training that if they make the cut to become guide dogs for the blind. Uh So we're following, like, literally our production, our shooting is for two years or close to, like, like at least 18 to 19 months or Uh 18 to 24 months. So we're shooting for two years. So it's going to be three years minimum start to finish when wow. this comes. Wow. So, yeah. so we should, uh, well, when that comes out, we'll talk again. Um, it's cute. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, these are 11 months old and none of them have been cut yet, but we think one might be soon. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, look forward to an update on that. Um, that sounds amazing. Um, so is there an update on how Miles is doing now? Are you in contact with the family? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's great. He's yeah. really good. Um, yeah. he is in second grade. He's really, really close with my son, Charlie. Right. Um, yeah. And they, they like each other a lot, even though he lives kind of far away. So they don't get to see each other all that much. Um, he's doing great. They have a new baby brother. Um, and so that's really exciting and you know, they're great family. Salt cool. of the earth people. Cool. Um, so what advice do you have for, uh, aspiring documentary or filmmakers, um, adults? And I mean, you know, there's kids that are going to be hearing this too. So like, that's awesome. What, what, what do you, what do you have to say to them? Um, I think it's like the most fun career you could possibly have. I mean, it's just basically telling stories, um, all the time. You could choose, you know, what stories you want to tell and why they're important. Um, I think it's really important to understand 
that you're going to have to take a lot of rejection. Uh, and that's something I am constantly talking to my kids about. Like one day I got into a film festival and my daughter Annie said, do you, does that mean you didn't get rejected today? I was like, yeah, that means I didn't get rejected today. <laughs> oh, so wow. I think, you know, that's good advice. I think for any kind of career really, because, you know, if you could take the bad times, you know, and, and my husband, Peter, you know, I complained about it. He always says, if it was so easy, everybody would do it because it's such a fun career. But like the competition is super, super steep. You have to, you know, you get rejected for 10 festivals. I mean, maybe 10 to hundred festivals for everyone you get into. Wow. Um, you have to work really hard to have things to show so that people can feel, good about putting their money behind you you know I mean it, you have to do a lot of things on your credit cards to start and um so I think it's it's, it's important to like really ha- be have a thick skin which is not always that easy right but it would work whether you were a filmmaker or something else right. um and also that you know you should just do it all the time like you can make a movie now on iMovie you can make a movie on anything on your iPhone um that if you love doing it start doing it and just you know Cause it's so easy to say, Oh, it's so hard to do. I, I can't really do it. Just keep doing it and it'll get better and better. And then finally you'll have something to show somebody that you're proud of. And then they'll say, Oh, I want to work with that person. Right. So I Practice. think those are the, the main things is just to keep doing it um, and be able to handle rejection. And you know, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, so for listeners who, who want to check out the movie, who maybe haven't seen it, what's the, the best way for people to see it? Um, Netflix is a great way if you have a Netflix subscription because it's free. Um, and then it's on iTunes. Um, I think it's on everything, okay. Amazon, um, all that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how can uh, so if people wanted to connect with you and follow you as you as you're moving through and and making making movies and documentaries, how can people connect with you? Um, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter um, with my name Dana Nachman, and um, people can email me. Yeah. Just check me out at, uh, at Sunday. Uh, I want to pick up my kids from, <laughs> from Sunday school. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, looking forward to hearing about pick of the litter. That's the one that's, I mean, you know, we got some time. It sounds like for that one, but, uh, that's, it's amazing. And thanks for talking with us And the movie is, is really, really, really special and documents a really amazing galvanizing sort of thing. I remember, I remember, you know, I was one of the billion that followed it. I thought it was so cool and and to sort of have it come full circle to talk to you about it is really uh really amazing for me so thank you so much for your time that's cool thanks for having me okay all right bye bye he likes to eat 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 and he's a lawyer he likes to eat 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 Hi, Josh. Michael. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? Not much. I just finished lunch. Oh, yeah? What'd you eat? <clears throat> I ate Ethiopian food. Whoa. I don't know if I... What do you think of Ethiopian food? I don't know food? any... I can't tell you what I ate. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of mush on a plate. <laughs> some of it was yellow. Some of it was red. Some of it was uh-huh. lentils. Some of it was beets. It wasn't on a plate. It was on a piece of sourdough mushy bread. I gotta go. <laughs> okay. Good stuff. I would-
would love to welcome to the Good Stuff Kids podcast, Jake Broder. And Jake has a Kickstarter that he is in the midst of, and I thought it would be really cool to hear from him about what he's trying to do. Jake, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Of course. So tell us, tell us a little bit about what you're doing, what you're up to. Uh, well, right now, my wife and uh, is taking the two littles out of town to see grandma uh, in England for about four weeks. And uh, while they're gone, I'm very sneakily making an album that the kids don't know about. And it's an album of reimagined kids' tunes, uh, sort of hippified, done in a jazz, funk, crazy, sort of grown-up version, uh, to help parents not go insane when they have to listen to Elmo's song 9,000 times. Uh, and the kids don't know about it. And uh, when they get back, there's going to be this new album sort of waiting for them. And so, yeah, we're doing a Kickstarter, and we're actually really close. We, we're doing it budget for it's about 13, and we've raised about nine. And so we're looking at the last little bit. And so we're uh, trying to get that done in this next week. And then we're going to, re- yeah, it's a quick turnaround, but I think we can do it. And then uh, we go into rehearsal, and then we're recording, and then we'll be mixing, and then mastering, and, you know, off we go. The whole thing. So what are some of the songs that you are re-envisioning? Tell us, t- give us a couple highlights. <laughs> okay. Uh, imagine if Elmo's song was swung a la Charlie Parker. Okay. Imagine Green Eggs and Ham set to music and played by Prince. <laughs> okay. Imagine uh, Banana Phone, the Raffi song. Oh, oh, imagine yeah. that, you know, <laughs> imagine that done by James Brown. <laughs> imagine um, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, ABC, and Baba Black Sheep, which are all incidentally the same melody and harmony. Yeah, mine, uh, right. yeah. a mashup of those tunes done in the relative minor and played by you too. <laughs> so I like, I, like, I like everything you said so far. That's, that's great. We're basically doing things that will make mom and dad laugh uh-huh. and that kids can appreciate. This is basically so that parents don't go insane because yeah. we should not go insane. We shouldn't because there's enough <laughs> to make us insane <laughs> when it comes to just getting out of the house. So musically, anything we can do to... To, to ease that is a good thing. So what, how did, how did this, just give us a basic background. How did this come to be like this became the project? I know that the, the, the origins, yeah, the origin story, the, the origin story. Yeah. All right. So I'm doing this show, which we're taking off Broadway later this year about Lord Buckley. Who's this beat comedian uh, who came right before Lenny Bruce. And he's a really flipped out, amazing comedian. And uh, so this show is performed with a jazz band. And so I got a great bebop jazz band here in L.A. and uh, guys in New York, you know, that I work with when I'm there. But we were in we were doing the show down in San Diego and uh, all of the band were all new dads. Everybody has it under two. So we were laughing really hard about uh, what about listening to Elmo's song and being sort of, well, spiritually oppressed by it. And, uh, and yet, you know, loving it. So we started gassing around with Elmo's song. And I think there's that link to, uh, there's that link to Elmo's song. 
uh, and this is that was our first rehearsal. We just mucked around with it. And, uh, you know, this is a song, va-la-la-la, Elmo song, and just swinging it and having a good time. And I just, it was a lark. And so then I played it for, there's a friend of mine who I did the last record with uh, for Louie and Keeley. And uh, he got this weird twinkle in his eye and he was like, you know, you need to make an album of this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then played it for management and they were like, you know, you need to make an album of this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the same thing happened with Agent. And then a few other friends, they were like, listen, you got to do this. And so uh, what started out as a joke, we collected about, I don't know, about 15 songs of this kind of they were composed over drinks. They were composed, you know, in a very sort of loose, fun kind of way, but 10 minutes at a time. But after about two or three months, we had a whole pile of them. And I thought, wow, okay. And then I started to pick out, you know, 10 that make a bit of a theme that work together. And uh, I just thought, you know, then the kids were going away and I thought, I, I got to do this. And this needs to be a sneaky surprise for them. And so that's how it happens. That's uh, that, what a gift to come home to. That's that's gonna be, that's gonna be great. So you're gonna, you're gonna hop into the studio. So we got to get you four thousand. You're about four thousand short of your goal yeah. at the moment on Kickstarter. Yeah. And the, the project's called "I'm Not Tired." Is that right? That's right. I'm not tired. Okay, I've heard that before. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard that before. Not from me because I'm always tired, and, and I'm sure not from you. So that's that comes from, that comes from your. Uh, your interaction with your kids, I imagine. That comes well. It's a double edge. I thought we um, it has it's two. Do you know the pigeon books? Yeah, of course. Yeah, the yeah, it's sort of in that spirit. I'm not tired, and it's you know, I'm not tired, and it's also a defiant creed de cœur of parenthood. I'm not tired. It's just we're so goddamn tired. <laughs> That's great. That's sort of both, and the logo. We're sort of. The logo for the album is, you know, you remember the Nirvana picture with the smiley face? Yeah. The logo for the album is uh, sort of the same font and then the smiley face that's really tired with a little smiley face next to it who's like, ha ha, this is why you're tired. <laughs> this is exactly why you're tired. So uh, there's a, we'll put the Kickstarter link uh, on my site. Um, so, awesome. so this will be easily found. Um, how can people find out more about you? Because in addition to being a, a talented musician and, and actor, right, you've been in, in things that you're, you're familiar. You, you have a, you are familiar to people. So how can people find out more about you and keep up with what you're doing? Um, well, I was just on Silicon Valley, uh, doing that show, which was super fun. Um, the, there's a show that was here in L.A. called Louie and Keeley Live at the Sahara, which was a musical about Louis, Louis Prima and Keeley Smith uh, that I did recently. Um, basically, on the web, you can, if you, you want to know more about me, uh, jakebroder.com. We'll do it. There's all kinds of clips and stuff, but uh, yeah. All right. Well, Jake. Um, as a father of three who right now has no kids home and you're about to have, it sounds like a month to yourself, essentially. Well, oh my, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, don't, don't be jealous. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm not, I don't think there, I think there's a word that goes beyond jealous. So whatever that oh, word is, oh, no, 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 it's, it's good. Look, everyone, no, like, 
It's going to be the sweetest pain. I mean, I'm, you know, yes, I'm going to be working. I'm going to be working on this album 24 seven and, uh, it's going to be so awesome to have some time that's uninterrupted, but I'm going to miss him so bad. Like it's, it's going to be every bit of sweet is going to be counterbalanced with this. Like, Oh my God, I'm missing my limbs. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. So just, you know, I'm not, I'm not totally jealous. I know exactly how you feel. I have three kids. My wife's a summer camp director. And so I had all three, you know, ranging in age from two to six. Oh my God. I had all three by myself for the last <gasps> week. Right. So, and then national medal of honor. Yeah, right, thank you. But, uh, and, and then yesterday I brought them up to camp and dropped them off and, and drove home. And now, um, and I'm sitting here at home. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't even know what to, I don't even remember what to do. So I, I delighted and bereft at the same yeah, time. Exactly. I miss them a yep. lot. So I know exactly how you feel. It's uh, it, it changes the game completely when there are these people in our lives. Oh, so best, yeah. best game change ever. Yeah. So Jake, thanks so much for your time. Um, have a great rest of your time with your family before they go away. When yeah. you are ready to talk again about the album, when the album's out, I would love to invite you back on the show and, uh, Oh, thanks. I think that you're on to something really nice here. So We'll play you the results. All right. That sounds great. All right. All right. Thanks, man. All right. See you later. Bye now. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Thanks to Dana. Thanks to Jake. Thanks to Sister Good Stuff for introducing me to Jake. You can find the link to his Kickstarter on the website, www.goodstuffpod.com. There's also a link to his reimagined version of Elmo's song. Check that out. Thanks for listening. Be a friend of the podcast. You can go to iTunes, comment, rate, subscribe. Tell a friend. Tell two friends. Tell five friends. It really doesn't matter. Tell everyone. There are lots of amazing things to come. Thanks to all of you for being a part of this journey with me here. And we'll see you next week for more good stuff. Good stuff.